Welcome to the Relatable Finance Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joseph Carl and Shane Phillips. Welcome to today's episode of Relatable Finance. This is Shane Phillips, financial planner with Provenance Wealth Advisors. Today we're going to talk about insurance, but not in the way we usually talk about insurance on Relatable Finance. While we do deal with life, disability, and long-term care insurance, there are many other types of insurances we do not deal with. So I brought in an expert. Today, we'll be talking to Will Beckham with NEA Insurance Group. Hello, and welcome, Will Beckham, to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Shane. So if you just want to take a little time and let everyone know who you are, uh, what you do, and uh, why you're here today, I think that that would be best. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. My name is Will Beckham. I work for NEA Insurance Group. We're an independent agency based out of Miami, Florida, and most importantly, I'm friends with Shane, so that's why I'm here today. Well, that's that's one of them, um, but (laughs) because uh, you're going to provide us some some great information about uh, a lot of insurance types that we just don't deal with um, in in our profession. So if we want to get into it, um, I know, again, you, you handle a lot of different types of insurance, but it's broadly broken down between personal and commercial. Um, So if you can just take a minute and just broadly define those, and then we can get into some details. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good way to put it. And, you know, before we get going here, I do hope I bring some value to, to your listeners. And, um, and so what we're talking about today is we're a a property casualty insurance agency. You know, I think Shane, you guys deal with life insurance and and more of that sector. There's other types of insurance as, as well, but today we're predominantly talking property and casualty insurance. And like Shane mentioned, there's two main types, I would say. There's personal lines of insurance and there's commercial lines of insurance. Personal lines, the best way I would describe it is anything that uh, is owned under your personal name. And that also includes personal liability as well. So that can be anything from your house to your car, your boat, helicopter, plane, jewelry, fancy artwork you might have, things of that nature. And commercial lines, that is more uh, you know, it's for businesses specifically. And so um, there are many types of business insurance, whether that's general liability, property insurance, cyber, I would put workers' compensation in there as well, directors and officers, um, the list keeps going, but, you know, sort of break it down and keep it simple. You have your personal lines and your commercial lines. And within that, there's a lot of different product offerings uh, within those. Yeah, uh, a lot of different product offerings. Um, when, when I dug in this, uh, into these areas a little bit further, it's, it's things you don't realize. And I know just me personally, I mean, I have my, my car insurance and, and that's unfortunately all I have right now, uh, or need right now. But in, in terms of personal insurance, I think something like car insurance is simple, but maybe some of the other, uh, more common ones, if you can discuss those a little bit and, and maybe something that you, you just don't think of, uh, you said jewelry. I mean, I know there's people with vast, vast, vast amounts of jewelry and, and maybe never even thought of having stuff like that insured. Absolutely. So I think you say, you know, unfortunately, you only have auto insurance. Maybe it's fortunately, right? Because <laughs> you don't have to pay all these premiums. But um, yeah, I mean, if you own a home, there's homeowners insurance. There's also insurance for renters or if you own a condo unit uh, for any type of, of, of property that you might own in your personal name. Uh, some less common ones that are, that are talked about, you know, definitely there's, there's fine arts coverage for that can be, if you have a large personal art collection, 
or if you have, like you mentioned, jewelry. So that can be things like rings, earrings, diamond, diamonds, bracelets, watches, anything like that. There's insurance available for that. It really depends on each individual situation, but you can get coverage through your homeowner's insurance where they schedule that onto your policy, or you can get a standalone policy that provides coverage uh, for those items as well. It just really depends on, you know, what your, I think it depends on really what's important to you and how much do you want to pay in order to protect those assets that you have. Um, now, when we get into things like homes or, or properties, things that you have lenders or, or lines of credit on, that's a different story because, you know, typically those lenders are going to require that you have coverage on them. But, you know, the finer, the finer things in life typically are paid for in cash. And if you want to insure them, you know, through a, a fine arts policy or Typically, it's called a uh, personal inland marine policy. I put them on that policy form. That's the way you would do it. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it is insurance and it's, it's paying that premium to protect something. So I think it's figuring out what what makes sense. Uh, something yeah. may technically be priceless, but uh, I'm sure you guys are very good at putting a price on those things at the same time. Um, so all really good ones to, to think about and, and it's not going to, uh, be for everyone uh, like myself. I, I don't need a lot of that, but um, for people that have different things and, and more stuff to protect, definitely something to keep in mind. And, and, and another one, and, and this kind of uh, not surprised me, but I just don't have much experience with it. And now living in Florida rather than Wisconsin, this is something we worry about here that we don't in Wisconsin. Um, and that's flood insurance. And this is something yeah. we get questions from, clients a lot. Um, mainly, you know, I'm paying X amount in flood insurance every year. Should I just self-insure? And, and I don't know how many times I've been asked that, but just talk about flood insurance a little bit. I think you've mentioned to me recently that there's been some updates in flood insurance. So um, just a little more on that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So major changes in flood insurance and flood insurance. I didn't mention we were talking about personal and commercial. I, I knew we we're going to get here. So I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to spoil, uh, you know, your question, but, but yeah, there's, there's personal flood insurance as well as commercial flood insurance. And so um, personal flood insurance, again, would be for something like your home or your apartment complex or your condo unit, something like that. Whereas uh, in your apartment complex, I mean, your apartment um, unit itself, and you have commercial flood insurance again for, um, you know, multifamily buildings, or it could be an industrial building, anything that's, you know, owned under uh, a corporation LLC or something like that. And so the big changes in flood insurance is, is this. Well, first, Shane, you should know is that flood is the most common cause of loss in the United States. So it's not necessarily just a, a Florida issue. I'd say it's a, a nationwide issue. And about 50 years ago, the National Flood Insurance Program was developed. And for those 50 years, their, their underwriting basically remained the same. And most recently, October 1st, they have changed their underwriting guidelines. It's called Risk Rating 2.0. And it's more actuarial sound. There's a lot of reasons they did that. There's a lengthy New York Times article about a month ago. There's a lot of insurance publications that are talking about it. New York Times article, I liked I liked what they said in there. It did paint a good picture, but they mentioned a lot about, oh, you know, it's premiums are going up for people that have waterfront homes in the state of Florida. And yes, that's absolutely true, but it's also going to be going up for other flood prone areas. One thing about Florida that's unique is People think, oh, you live by the coast, you're in a flood zone, you need to have flood insurance. And the fact is, the more inland you go, especially in South Florida, you happen to come across a lot of flood zones in that area because 
those areas you got to remember used to be Everglades and they were dug yeah. up and built, you know, these large communities with uh, really nice houses or tons of track homes and things like that. So it's not necessarily a coastal issue. It's more of a, how low lying is, is your house compared to the surrounding area. Now flood insurance as well, that we have our own definition of flood insurance and in, in the insurance industry. And basically what it comes down to and, and how you come, come upon your rate is what uh, is the elevation of your house above the area's base flood elevation. And so that will change depending on where you're located. You got to get a flood elevation certificate to sort of figure those things out. But the big change, again, that, we, that we're talking about is how the National Flood Insurance Program is rating premiums. And so that, that, effect, that went into effect on October 1st. For renewals, it'll be April 1st. And you're going to see major increases uh, moving forward, as well as on your renewals for people that are in not great areas. And I, I think one of the reasons behind it, you know, there's a lot of reasons behind it, like I mentioned, but the big one is the National Flood Insurance Program is $20 billion in debt. And so imagine running a business, you know, being $20 billion in debt for however many years it was, it was 16 billion a few years ago. Now it's even more so with uh, storms, especially like Hurricane Harvey that happened in Texas a few years ago, it's continuing to be an issue. So, uh, you know, not necessarily just for us Florida folk to, to be worried about, definitely coastal areas, absolutely. But if you have a home and you have a loan on that home and you're located in a flood zone uh, other than a zone X, your lender is going to require that you have flood insurance coverage. And that's where you're seeing the major changes that, have, that I just mentioned have an impact on people's ability to, to buy a home, the affordability of that home, you know, uh, apart from what's going on in the housing market in general, uh, those can create problems for new home buyers, as well as, you know, people that have been in their houses for a really long time, they're going to be seeing increases on, on their renewals over the next, you know, many years. Yeah. And, and, it makes sense. I mean, that it hasn't been updated in that long if you're running a big deficit, but at the same time for, for some of those situations, like you mentioned, if you have a mortgage, buying a new home, whatever the case would be, it, it's not an, an optional insurance. It, it's not the option of buying life insurance. It, it's going to be much, Correct. much more. This is going up uh, twice as much, whatever the case is, and you have to pay it because you fall under X, Y, and Z. Um, so I'm, I'm sure I will be getting more and more of those questions as, as some of those re renewals are coming up. So uh, I'm happy to, uh, to, to know a little bit more about it. And uh, yeah, being in Wisconsin, we don't have it, but I guess most <laughs> of the country is, is on the coast. So, so that makes, <laughs> makes sense at the same time. For sure. Um, so let's switch to, to commercial. And, and, and really business related. And I remember sure. you saying, I'm not, not sure if you said it to me or somebody else we were talking to once. And you basically said, yeah, if you own a business, you, you, can, you basically need insurance for me in one way, shape or form. And, and I remember thinking, oh, it's, it's very interesting. And uh, it makes uh, a lot of sense. So uh, if you can just go into commercial forms of insurance a little bit further. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you know, depending on what kind of business you own and operate, it's going to really uh, impact what kind of insurance you would either A, need or B, want. Uh, a lot of the time, the reason to buy insurance is driven by an outside source. So let's say you're a, a retail operation that's moving into a new location and that location has insurance requirements. You have to buy insurance. Again, if you have a loan, uh, whether it's a, a business loan or some sort of line of credit for your business, they're going to require some sort of insurance, whether that's on the liability side or uh, if it's a, a loan against your assets, 
They might require that you have some sort of property coverage. If you're providing a, a professional service, you know, you should have some sort of professional liability for the advice that you're giving people. Um, you know, us insurance agents, we have professional liability insurance as you guys do as well uh, in, in the financial planning world. Um, so it really just depends on what kind of business. If you, if you own properties, you know, you're going to want to have insurance, general liability property, probably umbrella coverage as well for those properties that you own and operate, even though they're leased out to different tenants. Um, you know, those are sort of some, some different ones. What, what is becoming, you know, more and more popular and you're hearing a lot more about in the last 18 months, really since COVID started cyber liability coverage, you know, it seems to be a headline every other week of a large major corporation getting hacked and having to pay this huge ransomware, a huge amount in order to get back up and running. But the truth is it's really happening more to small mom and pop shops, locally owned businesses. And it's almost like a, it's like a catch 22, I would say, because these, these people will come in and so that comes, you know, you got to have a good uh, IT provider, whoever that might be, or managed services provider. Um, but what hackers have found is that if you have insurance, you're more likely to pay a ransom and go collect your insurance money rather than, uh, you know, stay, stay down, stay, stay stuck, especially in today's world where we're all operating online one way or another. And cyber liability insurance is, um, you know, I, I recommend that to any and every business owner that I talk with just based on what's going on. Now, if you have employees, um, there's different statutory regulations, different states in Florida, it's four or more, you have to have workers' compensation. That is, um, in Florida specifically, those rates are determined by the National Council on Compensation Insurance, NCCI, and, uh, and, and that's how you know, the rates were figured out based off of your payroll. And again, that's for businesses that have employees, but it really just depends. Um, if you're a startup business and you're getting some funding, you're going to need directors and officers insurance. For the people that are supporting you or joining your board or taking ownership stake um, in your business. So directors and officers is another one that has uh, been, been caught up in the news lately, especially with all the spaction that's been going on. Um, and so, yeah, those are just a few different types of commercial insurance. But at the end of the day, I think it really, it's hard to say, hey, what kind of insurance do I need? Well, what kind of business do you have? And I think you can answer that question a little better. But again, there's all different types of, of products out there that are available to protect business owners. And, uh, and it really just depends on what kind of business you're operating. Yeah. And it, it makes, I mean, as you keep saying these, they all make sense. Um, based upon what we do, it's, it's, you're, you're looking for guarantees. You're, you're looking for somebody to back something, whatever the, the case would be. So something like a, a company, uh, being a startup and wanting to insure those directors, the, the people you're investing in, I think that makes a lot of sense. And with the, with the cyber insurance, we, I think we all hear about the big ones. Um, mm -hmm. the, the little mom and pop doesn't make, you know, headline news on the Wall Street Journal. Correct. Um, so I can see how that's probably much, much more um, prominent uh, or happening so much more than, than these huge, you know, global breaches. Absolutely. One, one, one thing you mentioned uh, that I, I wanted to, to ask a little bit more about, because again, this is the question we, we, we get asked or gets brought up more is, um, rental properties. So a lot of clients own rental properties and in some cases it's just owned personally, in some cases in LLCs, whatever the case case is, um, but in umbrella insurance. If, yep. if you can just talk about that a little bit, I feel like it's something that most people have heard about, but 
they say umbrella, they just picture the umbrella and for sure. their day. Um, for sure. Exactly. What is that? How does it generally work? Yeah, absolutely. You hear people talk about it. Yeah, I have umbrella coverage. Everything's covered. And uh, that's not necessarily the case. Umbrella policies or also known as excess liability policies. What they do is an, is an extension of your liability coverage. So for your rental property example, if somebody slips and falls on your, on your premises and you are, you can be found legally liable for negligently maintaining the property or not properly maintaining it. Uh, you know, South Florida, especially there's a lot of creative uh, legal experts out there that might come to you and say, Hey, um, here's a lawsuit. It's your fault that this person fell down the stairs and, and broke their hip or whatever it might be. And so when you, the reason you purchase an umbrella policy and access liability policy, what you're essentially doing is, is you're extending your, your limit of liability to whatever limit that might be. It could be 1 million, 5 million, 10, 25, 50 million, depends on what your, you know, what your tolerance for risk is and what your, your portfolio looks like. But essentially what you're doing with umbrella insurance is increasing that limit and you're transferring that risk off of your balance sheet onto a risk-bearing insurance company in order to protect yourself in the case of a catastrophic loss. Now, you know, Will, what kind of, who needs $25 million of umbrella coverage? You know, I, I don't know how many, how many units do you own? You know, how many people do you have living at your, your multifamily complexes? Uh, and what are your assets like? Those are all questions that you should, you know, take into consideration when considering an umbrella limit. But for all of our property insurance owners, uh, you know, we recommend whether it's personal or commercial, we recommend having some sort of limit of, of umbrella insurance because essentially you're protecting against, you know, the what if, and um, especially if you have assets and you're, you're a well-functioning business, you're well-known, you know, people want to come after you. People think you have a lot of money to give, and whether it's, it's something that, you know, you actually were negligent upon or, or being accused of, you know, your umbrella insurance company can take care of that in the, in the face of a, a catastrophic uh, occurrence that would be held against you. Yeah, and, and there's a lot that we do from the planning perspective to try to decrease uh, the potential liability our, our clients Absolutely. have. But at Absolutely. the end of the day, there's, there's only so much you can do and there, there will be liabilities in, in certain areas. So I know um, that's where we see it come up a, a lot. And, uh, yep. and I think your, your initial comment of, yeah, I have um, umbrella insurance, I'm covered. Uh, I've definitely heard heard that one book uh, before as well. Um, so no, it, it, it's more than that. It, it, it's not a check the box uh, type of a thing. Right. Um, so that was great. I mean, I, I think it's, uh, again, these are all the, the types of insurance that, that we don't deal with. Um, we, we come to people like you for them. It's, it's something probably everyone needs to do if you have, you know, any amount of assets, you know, outside of just a car um, is what I'm picturing. Um, but any, anything else that people should know or understand about generally the, the different lines of insurance or, or just how you, you work um, in general? Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that I always ask my clients is, you, you know, like I mentioned, a lot of times people are buying insurance because they feel like they're being forced to. And whether that's because they're getting a mortgage or getting a loan, line of credit, whatever it might be, hey, this bank is making me buy this, so I have to do that. Okay, sure. And there are some requirements there. But I think it, you know, if, if you're going to have to buy insurance, sort of the next level to understanding is, what is my risk tolerance? Am I willing to take on more risk in exchange for a lower premium? Or am I, you know, am I not interested in that? And do I want to 
pay a higher premium to know that I'm the most protected I can be in a situation. I think people think insurance, they think, oh, if anything happens, I'm covered. That's not necessarily the case. Insurance policies are hundred pages long, subject to the terms and conditions, you know, like anything in life. And if, if you understand, you know, what your risk tolerance is, understand what's covered versus what's not covered, what's an insurable interest versus not an insurable, um, excuse me, uh, insurable exposure versus not uh, just a, a traditional business exposure, personal exposure. I think those things are really important and, and you'll maybe have a better outlook and understanding of, all right, you know, a lot of people look at insurance companies say, hey, they're just going to take my money and never pay out if something happens. And again, I, I would say that's not necessarily the case. You just need to understand what's going on, which in my experience, um, the people that my clients that do want to take the time to understand those things and learn those things uh, are more understanding of things when they happen, how they're covered and how they're not. Um, and, and you sort of, I'm not saying that people are going to look at insurance companies as some beacon of hope for society, but they do play a role, um, in, in, you know, your individual life and especially in your business as well. So that'd be my recommendation is to understand, you can understand your risk tolerance and your risk profile, and then also understand, you know, what's covered and what's not. I think you're gonna have a lot more pleasant experience with insurance than just paying premiums and, and thinking that, that nothing's ever going to happen you know, you're not going to get any benefit even if something does happen. Yeah. I mean, and, and at the end of the day, insurance is something you, you never hope to use. And, and that's sure. why it's there. If, if, if something bad happens, that's, that's why you have the insurance. But um, I, I think that is, is, is a really smart thing. I mean, same thing with our industry. We, we try yep. to make clients understand things as much as possible um, so that their expectations are right if something, if something happens. Awesome. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate it. Hope I brought some value to your listeners. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Relatable Finance. And thank you again, Will, for being such a wonderful guest. If you have any questions, please email me at podcast at probwealth.com or check out our website, relatablefinancepodcast.com. Provenance Wealth Advisors is not a registered broker dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services, Inc. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered through Provenance Wealth Advisors and Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Any opinions are those of Relatable Finance Podcast and PWA and not necessarily those of Raymond James. The information contained in this report does not purport to be a complete description of the securities, markets, or developments referred to in this material. There is no assurance that any of the trends mentioned will continue or forecasts will occur. The information has been obtained from sources considered to be reliable, but Raymond James does not guarantee that the foregoing material is accurate or complete. Any information is not a complete summary or statement of all available data necessary for making an investment decision. and does not constitute a recommendation. Investment involves risk and you may incur a profit or loss regardless of strategy selected. Diversification and asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against a loss. Investing involves risk and investors may incur a profit or loss. Raymond James does not provide tax or legal services. Please discuss these matters with the appropriate professional. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Future investment performance cannot be guaranteed and investment yields will fluctuate with market conditions. Any examples given in the podcast are for illustration purposes only. Actual investor results will vary.